How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Movies and Beyond podcast. I'm Brian Osborne, your host. Thanks so much for hitting the download button today. We've got a lot to get into as it is officially March as I record this, March of 2020. What an exciting time to be alive or an amazing time to be alive. I don't know how you want to look at it. It could be also a very troubling time to be alive as uh, right now the world is dealing with the repercussions of the coronavirus going on. It's uh, pretty crazy. The media is really, uh, it, I mean, obviously it's very serious a lot of times through, or a lot of places throughout the world, thankfully, where I am. Here in America or North North America, or the United States, we've mostly got it under control. Sadly, there have been a few deaths now, up to uh, six as I record this. Hopefully, that number continues to stay as low as possible. It's uh, very tragic what's uh, what's going on in China and Italy and now South Korea. And again, uh, very sad to hear of the the, pa- the people that have passed away. I mean, it's. Um, the bright side is it seems like the most, from what I've uh, seen of the medical reports of this, it seems to be, it is a strain of the flu. It is a version of the flu. And uh, most of the people that have died have been in their uh, elderly years. So um, so we'll see. I mean, hopefully, uh, as I said, it is now March and we are getting into the spring months. I know uh, I live in the uh, Midwest and it is starting to, the snow is starting to melt and we are getting some more mild temperatures, which is which is good to see. So hopefully things will start to change in the air and this will, this will uh, people are, we're able to get through this. And um, it, is, it is related to, uh, you know, here, talk, here we're talking about it on this <laughs> movies podcast. It is uh, pretty crazy to see what the effects are. The China box office is already down. I think I saw a report almost $2 billion, $1.9 billion already. That's what they're going to lose compared to uh, last year, the year before, because of the just because that's that's where everything started and that's where it's all focused on. Everybody's pretty much staying in their homes. They're not going out. You've probably, if uh, you may have heard the reports, but a lot of the studios here in the United States have hold, held back or pulled back on their release dates for their films such as Doolittle. That was Robert Downey Jr.'s movie that came out about a month ago now. They had a big release plan for China. They were really hoping and are still hoping that that market can help bring that movie's profits up because it has not been faring well anywhere else. That has been delayed. You have... um, you have other films like Sonic the Hedgehog, which is out right now. That is hoping to get a big release in China to help uh, increase its profit. It's got a, it's got a big opportunity there. They, they had a big release. They've now postponed it. There's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's this is really having an effect, especially in the film business. There was the theater business has also been affected by it. AMC theaters announced they, they thankfully announced that they had a minimal impact, but they are preparing for an impact. It's uh, and they're mostly North American based, so again, it's very minimal so far, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, it continues to stay that way. But again, just uh, the just showing the signs, and of course, our economy too taking a big hit as well. Um, just with all businesses, not just not just the movie business, but it has definitely affected the movie business without a doubt, majorly. We have, uh, but yeah, we've got a lot to get into here today, and the box office that we we are uh, bringing it up. Um, I do have a new movie to talk about. It was actually the the film that won the past weekend, as I'm recording this, February 28th through March 1st, and it was The Invisible Man, The Invisible Man, directed by Lee Wanell, who uh, um, who has been a horror film director. He he uh, directed a film a few years ago that got a lot of praise. And this is part of Universal Pictures' classic 
monster monster film universe, if you want to call it that. They started tried starting it uh, a couple of years ago with The Mummy with Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe and company, and it did not go over well at all. They wanted it to all be part of this connected universe, and it just, uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't necessarily necessarily go the way they planned. It uh, didn't do well at the box office, which you would think, being the mummy, I, th- I thought it was going to do a little better, but it, but it didn't. But uh, back to the director, Lee Wanell of The Invisible Man. He took the reins of this film. They were going to, as I said, they were going to have a connected universe. They brought Lee Wanell in. They then decided, we'll just make this a standalone Invisible Man. We're going to make that a standalone film. So they brought in Lee Wanell. He is known for directing Insidious Chapter 3. He also directed Upgrade, uh, back in 2018, got a lot of praise uh, from people that um, in horror films. He was also a big na- claim to fame. He was the writer of, or uh, one, uh, the, the yeah, the screenwriter and the co-story writer of Saw back in 2004, and went on to write again for Saw two II and three. So a lot of a lot of well horror fans probably know Lee Winnell's work. So again, he was directing this movie, and I went into this. You know, I, I'm not a big horror guy. I've never really never really been one for jump scares and just the just the experience is just it's just not pleasant. And some people really get off on it and re- or really enjoy that and I totally understand it and I get it and and look if it's if it's a good movie that happens to be a horror movie I've come to be able to respect the genre it's just I just can never I can never be excited to go and see a horror film but I'm trying to and I went with Invisible Man it was the biggest release of the weekend so I thought no I'm going to do it uh, I'm going to go check it out with a fair mind clear mind clear heart and just uh, judge it on its merits and see how it does and I have to say I actually really enjoyed the movie it was actually really good I really liked the way Lee Winnell directed the movie it's it's a very modern setting for the story the invisible man the way the way it the to set up the film if you haven't seen it yet is Elizabeth Moss plays the main character Cecilia and she is in a a controlling relationship with a tech billionaire. She manages to escape from him in the first five to ten minutes of the movie. She then gets out, and then she hears that the boyfriend is dead, and she thinks all is well, but then strange stuff starts happening in her life and, and then around her at uh, at home, and then she, feels, she starts feeling like she's being watched. And like I said, strange things are happening, and then there you can probably see from the trailers, if you watch them, you can see that there are... Uh, she starts to see footprints on her bed sheets. She sees an imprint of looks like someone sitting in the chair in her bedroom. And there's so much stuff going on. She then believes her boyfriend is not really dead. And he has be- somehow managed, or somehow before he died, managed to make himself invisible. And it would add up because his field was optics. And somehow he manages to come back and... and uh, and uh, torture her from beyond the grave as this invisible man and the story goes off from there i don't want to spoil it but again it was very good and i what i meant about the direction from lee winnell is just sometimes he will show a little he would show I, i just thought it was so captivating how he did it he managed to make empty space look frightening and it's not through any kind of wacky visuals or anything like that Sometimes he would literally just take the camera, show Elizabeth Moss, show her looking at something, thinking that something might be happening. She might walk out of the room and then, or walk out of the scene for a minute, out of out of the view, and you know she's probably going to come back. But then he he would move the camera and he shows just an empty hallway or an empty room, 
or an empty chair, something, even in the same room, just turn and look and nothing is there. And then there's just a little, something a little bit happens and it really makes you kind of go to the edge of your seat and wonder, did that curtain just move? Did that chair just move? Did I just see that? Or sometimes I'm convinced nothing was happening, but I was still, something's going to happen. Something's going to move. What's going on here? So it's amazing. Again, I, I just thought that was, uh, that was fascinating how he was able to do that. And there aren't, uh, this is why I, uh, all horror movies that are good, that are truly good on the better, uh, they don't focus on jump scares. They don't rely on so many of those old horror tropes that give horror movies a bad name, honestly. It gives... Um, you know, kind of naive people like me that don't really know much about the genre because of all the bad movies. They don't uh, understand how good they can be. And this is a good example. Again, with the modern setting, it's really believable how they've, how they craft the, the villain of the visible man. You, it's, it's a story that could happen. It's, it's pretty, it's not far away um, from, from, uh, from what technology we have or from what uh, the, what's possible with our technology and what's you know, again, this tech billionaire known in the field of optics. So it's believable that he could, he could somehow, you know, make himself come back in, in the form of an invisible man. And will and again, I try not to give too much away here. It's, it, it was just, it was so, it was just so well done. And there are some jump scares, but they're, when they're done, it, it's, it's at pivotal moments and it really, ma- and it makes sense to do it. And it's, it, it's earned. It's, it's fully earned. And I like the script for the most part. There were a couple times where the dialogue uh, didn't didn't re- work for me, but very. But that's more of a nitpick than anything. Overall, it was very good. Most of you aren't even going to notice my nitpicks. And you could make an argument. I know uh, go after kind of thinking on the movie when I saw it last uh, last Friday or a few days ago, the there were a couple times the movie really relies on security camera footage, and there are some points where they don't see things. I wish they would have maybe used security footage a little more. And just because there's a pivotal moment in a restaurant that happens and nobody where Elizabeth Moss's character gets gets framed, uh, we'll just say, for something. And I wish there or something happens that she didn't really do, but it happens while she's there and everybody thinks she did it. And I wish they would have creatively found a way to to show one, I mean, one security camera could have proved her innocence, but they just didn't even get into that. They just, I wish they would have maybe been a little more creative showing the security camera footage and still making it look like she did it. But it said they just ignored it. Uh, there are a couple other plot holes. If you really, you know, again, if you really zoom into it, there's a, I remember specifically a part where a driver, an Uber driver is waiting for her outside of uh, a gate and there's, um, there's another character that has, a that's has a pretty good ability to travel pretty far pretty quickly and that never really gets uh gets explained and i think it would have really helped if it would uh to help it would just make the movie that much better is all uh, all i'm really saying it's uh, it's fine to to i can let it go but i i wish they would have maybe yeah flushed that out just just a bit more and it would have been uh, it would have been made made it even better. But overall, I would highly recommend that you go out and check out Invisible Man, especially if you love horror films. This is great. And even if you don't, if you're like me and you're kind of on the fence, I think you should you know if, watch the trailer. And if it looks halfway decent to you, it's it's worth it. I mean, it's it's a very good setting. And again, I'm not one to say go out and watch a horror movie all the time. But if you can stand it at all, this is one to 
to uh, to go out and, and and see. And it looks like it has connected with audience audiences. It did very well over the weekend. It won the weekend, $28 million. Sonic the Hedgehog comes in second. The Call of the Wild Harrison Ford's movie comes in third. And then you got My Hero Academia. The I believe is a show. Yeah, it's an anime release from, I believe there's also a show on on uh, Adult Swim. But uh, that came in fourth. And you got Bad Boys for Life still, and it's still going in the top five, followed by Birds of Prey. Then Impractical Joker, Jokers, the movie, 1917, Brahms, The Boy 2, and Fantasy Island rounding out the top 10 for the first uh, for the last weekend in February here in 2020. So other than that, guys, we're going to get into some news for the day. Got uh, some pretty big stories over the last week and a couple smaller ones I just thought it'd be cool to hit on. First one is The Simpsons is going to have a short play in front of Pixar's Onward film in uh, in uh, this, this weekend, I believe. Onward comes out. And that'll be interesting. This is uh, Pixar releasing two features in one year, uh, as opposed to the standard one. They have had a couple of, I know a, a couple of years ago when The Good Dinosaur came out, it was also a two-feature year for them. But yeah, it's, uh, so The Simpsons getting a short. I am, I mean, that's that's intriguing. It's uh, definitely a tie-in. Disney trying to push push another one of their brands that they now own, and that's, uh, that <laughs> that uh, kind of makes sense, but I, I think that's cool. A lot of audiences... For a show that's been around for 30 years, it's uh, it's neat that they'll be able to incorporate that, and and I'm all for it. I think I think it's good. It's crazy to think um, how the Simpsons are going to be part of a, ch- a pretty family friendly brand like Pixar, and then when uh, I, I mean I was I was still I mean I was I don't remember I don't remember those days, but I know when the show first came out in the early 90s, it was seen as um, um, pretty uh, you were committing an act of heresy if you were watching. Those dirty Simpsons, but oh, did the world not know what was around the corner? <laughs> anyway, now Simpsons are family friendly. It's just, uh, it's pretty crazy. But anyway, uh, the other big news of the week was Disney's CEO Bob Iger stepped down. He's still going to be the creative director. He's going to direct the creative, I think is how he worded it. And but he is stepping down as the post of CEO, and he's still going to be the chairman of the board until his contract runs out in 2021. But he is being replaced by Bob. Chapik, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He's been managing the parks, I guess, for the last few years. So he's going to step up to the CEO chair. And yeah, Bob Iger, I mean, the man has bought a lot of stuff over the years. I know that he's, he has purchased Marvel. He's purchased Pixar. He's purchased Disney or he's purchased Fox, 20th Century Fox and Hulu and uh, the shows like The Simpsons and, and uh, TV networks like FX and so much more. I mean, it's, uh, he has bought so much to make Disney's asset column just go absolutely through the roof. And in a way, it's kind of a bad thing. I mean, I, I didn't, I'm not a big fan of them buying 20th Century Fox. I mean, I think it's great for, there's a part of me that really thinks it's great because now they own all of Star Wars. Star Wars was, um, you know, the original films were still under the 20th Century Fox banner, but now uh, they have complete rights to them, so they could possibly do a, a big box set release or a big Blu-ray release sometime, which actually I think they're getting ready to do. They're going to do the entire Skywalker saga, so they're going to do that. And they also have rights to all the Marvel characters now, so they can fix some of the some of the ones that Fox has kind of muddied up or kind of really uh, really damaged or really maybe maybe not so much damaged but just didn't really fully understand like my favorite X-Men although part of me which this is a whole topic for another day part of me thinks they might go a little a different t- they're going to have a different take on the X-Men and which might be a little more a little not what 
um, what Fox did and which maybe I won't like, but, but I don't know. I trust Kevin Feige and they've done a great job so far with the MCU and I'm, I'm excited to see where they go and if, if they incorporate the X-Men in, but it'll be interesting to, uh, to see how it goes. Anyway, Bob Chapek taking the reins at Disney and Bob Iger stepping down, possibly going to be running for president down the road. So we'll see. And he's definitely, uh, again, he's definitely done good things for Disney and, and, uh, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see what the company does going, going forward. Um, and other news real quick, Star Trek fans, Simon Pegg, who plays Scotty in the new films, he, uh, gave an interview the other day. I'm reading from collider.com actually taking a, um, quote from the dark horizons. He was given an interview Again, Simon Pegg, who plays Scotty, said that uh, Star Trek movies don't make Marvel money, and they need to make for they need to make five. They only make five hundred million dollars, only five hundred million dollars, and they in order to make a new one now, they have to budget it at two hundred million, and you have to make three times that to make a profit. So uh, he said that also they were affected pretty heavily by the loss of Anton uh, Anton Yelchin, who. Uh, passed away right before the last uh, last film, Star Trek Beyond, and he said they kind of were affected by that, but also he blames kind of the studio, saying they didn't really market it very well, and they had a big chance because it was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. <laughs> and anyway, he just said it. they're just kind of in a holding pattern. They're not really sure what to do, and most of the focus is on the new TV shows for CBS All Access. So uh, I'm not a big, huge uh, Star Trek fan. I'm not a Trekkie. I, I enjoyed the movies for the most part i know there are some hardcores that don't really like jj abrams take on it or alex kurtzman for that matter i've heard that picard has been getting pretty good reviews uh again uh, i've not gone out of my way to watch it just because there's so much <laughs> so much um television uh t- series to watch i'm just not uh, not up i can't really stay up on that game but uh, i do know from the film world i know noah hawley creator and writer of Fargo is in the process of directing his own Star Wars or stars. Geez, Star Wars. That's heresy <laughs> to the, to the Trek world, but he is behind the camera for this upcoming Star Trek film, Star Trek. It's supposed to be a reboot. So we'll see where that goes. If anybody can do it, I would trust Noah Hawley. He is one of the best, I would say one of the best writers right now, especially definitely for television. But um, I know he had a space movie, Lucy in the Sky that came out. I was gonna try to watch it with um, Natalie Portman, who whose work I usually really enjoy. But unfortunately, the movie did not do well at all. It got a, it bombed with critics and it bombed in mo- at the at the box office. It it did a slow rollout and unfortunately it didn't make enough to where it got to my area. So I had I I don't know. I'll have to check it out on um, streaming somewhat. But now I know that it wasn't really that much of a hit. So. I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm just dragging my feet on it, but I'm still interested to see what Holly can do with with a franchise like Star Trek. That that should be interesting. But also interesting to see how it kind of the article kind of goes on to say, or what Peg kind of goes on to say, is that it's just not uh, Star Trek doesn't really have the pop culture imprint as Star Wars does, at least not to that that degree. So it's crazy that they're talking. We're talking numbers, five hundred million dollars, and studios are they're just in it. that that gets you to a holding pattern. It's just crazy. Um, but yeah, so tough break for Star Trek, but anyway, guys, the biggest uh, news before I check out for the week is about Disney going back to the Disney story with, you had Bob Iger stepping down, but another person stepped down in that, that space. And that was Steven Spielberg, the great Steven Spielberg, who was supposed to be directing 
Indiana Jones 5, scheduled to come out next summer, July of 2021. He has stepped away from the Indiana Jones franchise, and he uh, is doing it because he says it's time for a younger director to bring their voice to uh, the, the series. Now, again, Harrison Ford is still attached to star in it. He just did an interview for Call of the Wild a couple of weeks back with CBS Sunday Morning that got a lot of press, and he said that he was actually going to be starting filming on Indy 5 in a couple of months. Now, I've mentioned in the past I, I've loved, I love Indiana Jones. I, I think it's all, some days it's way, it's my preferred trilogy. It's my preferred um, IP or property than, um, than sometimes, sometimes Star Wars, sometimes, um, a lot of things. I mean, that'd be a tough race. I, I mean, I love Star Wars, but I also, I really love Indiana Jones, and I wish, uh, I guess, I wish there were more. We were, we had more. Um, I wish there was more. You know, it leaves me. It, it's left me wanting more over the years, but I still love all the original films. I, you know, Crystal Skull. I know a lot of people don't. There's a lot of haters out there, but there's part of me that really likes it. I'll be honest with you. I think I'm the only person on the internet that likes mostly likes crystal skull but i i totally understand the criticisms and look there are parts that make me cringe too and we can get into that in a later date but again the point is i love the indiana jones mythos and the world and just i love harrison ford as indiana jones i just think it's such a it's such a cool character and cool idea and they've made such a great uh, great impact on on culture and the film world and it shows you when you're inspired you know steven spielberg made Indiana Jones because he had always wanted to direct a James Bond, but uh, the system told him no, and so he went out and made his own James Bond, and that's how we got Indiana Jones, which is uh, just such a such a great story. Now it is interesting. It's a the at, when I first heard the story, he was out. I thought then you might as well not make another movie because without Steven Spielberg, it's not Indiana Jones. I just don't see how it can happen. But then I saw the name that is really thinking about becoming the next director. And then I got excited again, and that is James Mangold. And James Mangold, if you don't know, is the director of Ford v. Ferrari. He just came off that. He won, it won uh, the movie. was one of the best of 2019. I really enjoyed it, and it won two Academy Awards, I think both in the sound category, at least one in the sound category. It was very good. Very great performances from Christian Bale, Matt Damon, and again, well-directed, great and great sound effects as well. But James Mangold, the guy behind Ford v. Ferrari, but he also did Logan 2017, one of the best movies of the year, and one of the best comic movies, comic book movies ever made, in my opinion. And Hugh Jackman's probably best performance as Wolverine. It was absolutely awesome. Rated R, and just did, sent the character out on a very, very good note. He also directed thing, movies like Walk the Line back in 2005 even. And it was uh, it was a great, great performances from both Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon, the story of Johnny Cash. I mean, this is a guy who knows how to direct a movie, and he's only gotten better as time has went on. And, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I hope he gets to do indie. I think of, and, oh, 310 to Yuma. I should mention that. 310 to Yuma. A modern day western, and it was and it was a good modern day western. Probably, I don't know the last, probably the last good western that's come out of Hollywood. Um, 
that with with a real serious tone that uh, that I can really really appreciate. And I'm a huge Western fan. Really, I am. I, I love westerns. And yeah, three ten to Yuma, awesome awesome flick for uh, for that, and dire- all directed by James Mangold. So I'm excited. I think that would be a that shows that he can handle a subject like Indiana Jones. I think it is, you know. It is too bad that Spielberg had to step away. I do think, I personally, they can say whatever they can say. He he, he can say that, yeah, I want it to be a younger person. But as it's been pointed out, you know, he could have said that any time between 2013 and now, when or 2012, when Disney bought, um, bought Lucasfilm, which is another thing that Bob Iger helped buy, Lucasfilm. <laughs> so Lucasfilm bought Star Wars. And Lucasfilm and Indiana Jones with purchasing Lucasfilm. But Steven Spielberg could have said immediately, I'm done with Indiana Jones. I don't want to make any make any more. I personally have always thought he, because of the last few years, and not to open another can of worms, but the, the production, it seems, has been troubled on this movie. I'm not even sure if they have, I hope, I guess it means they have a finalized script, but they just started working on it. It was originally scheduled to come out uh, in 2019. It's been pushed back to 2021, which was ne- it's never a good sign. It just shows that maybe they didn't have a good story planned, that they didn't have a clear idea of what they wanted to do, and then all of a sudden, here we go, Spielberg steps out. It just kind of adds to the overall disarray that Kathleen Kennedy has brought in running Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, one of the best producers in Hollywood, however, as a studio head, she really stinks up the joint. It just, um, it just every from Star or Star Wars project and to the debacle with the trilogy not being planned out, not being fully realized for the directors that go out, Lord and Miller that go out and make three quarters of a movie and then get fired. Ron Howard has to come in and redo the whole thing. Gareth Edwards has to shoots most of Rogue One, but then can't um, can't really handle the action scenes. They have to call in another director to come and do it. It's just nothing but trouble after trouble. They, yeah, I mean, uh, Colin Trevorrow getting you know was supposed to direct the last um, what we know as the Rise of Skywalker. It was going to be the Duel of the Fates, and instead he gets fired over creative differences. They have to bring J.J. back, and we all know the story. It's just uh, been nothing but disarray, but then you think, okay, well, maybe Indiana Jones, they can get it right, and they started out, they plotted out for 2019, or they planned for 2019, all of a sudden, boom, no, actually, it's going to be delayed. It's going to be 2021, and they David Kep was going to write the screenplay. He left. Now they hired somebody else, and anyway, it just goes on and on. Now Spielberg was going to direct, and now he's out. And I personally think part of Spielberg probably didn't want to make another Indiana Jones, but at the same time, again, I have to listen to my own thing. He could have said this all the way through, and I think he's just got other... I mean, he's he's finishing... I mean, right now he's editing West, um, West Side Story, but then he's got a couple other projects in the works, and I think he's just... Uh, he's got some bigger fish to fry or more exciting projects for him. He's been there, done that. What I'm this long <laughs> rant or that I've uh, got now gone on is just to point out that I think it would have been more satisfying or more of a poetic ending to have Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford go out with one last hurrah, one last ride, because let's face it, Harrison Ford's not getting any younger. I mean, he is, it's crazy to think, but he is pushing 80 
I mean, he is 77 as we speak right now. He's going to be 70. I mean, he's going to be 78 by the time they finish shooting. Uh, well, or by next year when the movie comes out. And Steven Spielberg, it's just they've been together. Why now you're going to bring in a new director to put a new face on the franchise with the old Harrison Ford, older Indiana Jones. And I don't know. It, it'll be uh, interesting to see where they take it. It'll be interesting if they set up anything for the future and if they bring in someone else to, re- or are they going to just recast? I know Harrison Ford in the past has said that it's the, the character is only going to be his. It's going to be, um, and no one else's. So maybe, maybe they'll have a son character. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will recast because sometimes Harrison Ford just says things and he, like, uh, he was asked if his, he was asked uh, something about his character, if his, if he thought his character in Rise of Skywalker was a Force ghost, and he said, "I don't care." I mean, that's just, that's just the way he thinks. He's, uh, he's not really, he's just there to do a job. That's mostly, it seems to be the, the point. He never really likes to dive into any of the extra stuff. He just really uh, sees it as purely, purely a job. Doesn't get caught up in any of the fan service or fandom topics. And hey, there's, <laughs> there's something to. Uh, uh, I guess I can understand where he where he's coming from there, but uh, who knows? So, uh, point is, I'm still excited about Indiana Jones, especially with James Mangold. I hope he is the director because I think if anybody can pull it off as good or maybe a little better than Spielberg, it could be James Mangold. Now it just comes down to story. What kind of story are they dealing with? And again, is it uh, is it going to be good? And I'll, it'll be interesting to see how they handle, especially with an older Indiana Jones, which some people say that maybe that's that's going to be a bad thing. I think it still can work. It it doesn't matter. I believe if you have a good story, it's going to work out. It just ma- it just depends on how they handle it. If they treat it like a cartoon and have him swinging from swinging over cliffs and jumping from ve- moving vehicles like he did in Raiders, that's going to be a problem. Not people aren't going to be able to latch onto that. But again, oh, we'll see what they do. But all right, guys, I'm going to cut it, call it quits for today. And I thank you so much again for hitting the download button. We're uh, trying to get better each and every week, trying to get a more idea of a schedule going forward but we will continue with uh, the episodes here on movies and beyond continue with more reviews again big pixar release coming out this week onward with voice uh, voice performances from uh from tom or from excuse me tom uh tom or tom holland yes tom holland and chris pratt Julia Lee Dreyfus, Octavia Spencer, and much, much more all set to come out this week. You also have uh, The Way Back, which is a sports drama starring Ben Affleck, which is coming out for maybe some those of you that need some alternative programming to Pixar. And yeah, we've got, uh, we're moving into the month of March, so it uh, it is interesting. We're moving on to another another month here in the movie season of 2020. Thanks so much, everybody, again for listening. I'll be back with more episodes very soon here on Movies and Beyond. I will talk to you again next time. For now, take care.